This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Clavio. Clavio is a platform that helps growth focused e commerce brands drive more sales with super targeted, highly relevant email, Facebook, and Instagram marketing. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance, and my guest today is Tim Staples. He is the CEO of Shareability and the co author of a book we're going to talk about today, Break Through the Noise, The Nine Rules to Capture Global Attention. So, Tim, welcome to the show. Hey, John. How you doing, man? I'm awesome. You know, I guess the first thing we ought to define is, um, what are you calling noise that we need to break through? Yeah, so, so the way I, I think about this book is that, you know, 30 years ago, um, when you looked at communicating a message most of the uh, megaphones of society were owned by big corporations. So it was your movie studios, your television networks, or your radio stations. So if you wanted to become famous as an individual or if you wanted to get a message out as a brand, it was either really difficult or really expensive. And so as uh, times evolved and the Internet happened, everything changed. And we effectively now have with a smartphone, we basically have a movie studio in our pocket, right? right? And so now everybody can break, everybody can broadcast to the world. And so we live in kind of this age where like everybody's trying to get YouTube famous and, and people are broadcasting for their mother's basement. Um, but what it means is that in 2019, the good news is that everybody has a megaphone. The bad news is that everybody has a megaphone and they're shouting into it all day long, every day to the point that most people have tuned almost all of it out. And so when I talk about break through the noise, it's like, how do you crash through those millions of messages and commercials and people trying to come at you all day long and, and actually get your, your message heard and out into the audience? Well, and, and, and I think sometimes people hear that like breaking through and crashing through and, and all that means is like turn up the volume, do something more viral, you know, forget about the fact that it has any value to the brand. You've just got to get noticed. I mean, and I, I'm, I'm wondering if we're kind of over that too. Yeah, we are. Yeah, I, I, I always talk about, you know, the idea that virality and, and, and my firm, you know, we, we've done a lot of big viral hits. So like, you know, we get asked a lot to go make things viral, which is a which is a tough thing to be asked repeatedly. But but I, I think we've kind of moved out of the age of virality in, in practical terms and we've moved into what I think is the age of shareability. Mm -hmm. And and for me that's about how do you be shareable? And 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 specifically, how are you worthy of a share? Yeah. And, and is there a formula for that? I mean, can you look at something and say, well, we've got to build this and then it's got to do this and then it's got to do that. And that'll make people share it. I mean, is, is it that simple or is it? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing that we always talk about and the way I start my book is with a simple statement, which is that nobody cares. <laughs> and it's, it's basically this mindset of a default position where just because you're doing something that's interesting to you, right. don't assume that anyone else in the world is going to care, right? And and uh, so I think if that's the default mindset, it's like, okay, now how do I actually create something that people are going to care about? Well, there's a number of things, and 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 their concepts I think are are very consistent with a lot of things that you talk about. But but the first one is real simple: it's focus on value, mm. right? Like, how do I think about? Okay, I want to reach this particular audience instead of focusing on me and trying to project it out to them, how do I think about it, what they want and then find a unique way to give it to them, right? Which is a really simple concept, but I think one that most people miss 
is like, what does the audience want? And then how do I put give that to them in my own unique voice that would be valuable? Well, and I think a lot of the challenge is because we're wired to think, how do I get them to buy? You know, or how do I get them to like me? Exactly. How do I get them to share? And sometimes that runs counter to what would be valuable to them. Yeah, and we do a lot of work with, with big brands and they're so hardwired yeah. to sell, sell, sell first. Like I feel like the last 30 years has been about an advertising approach for brands where they, they literally beat their chest and, and try to project their message onto an audience that may or may not want it. And what, what we've seen is when you just start with value, and value can be a lot of things, right? It could be education, it can be entertainment, right. it can be empathy. You know, there's a lot of different ways where you can provide value to an audience. If you take that first step and give them value first, you completely change the relationship. If you try to sell, they're on their heels, they're leaning back, they're moving away from you. If you give them value, now they're leaning forward and they want to learn more about you. And so you've now started a relationship that, you know, you can actually, you know, move towards a sale instead of trying to start with a sale. I know in my own experience, and I'm sure there are different people like different things. Um, I know that when when something like I'm expecting X and I get Y, it, it, it like surprises me. I know those are the things yeah. that those are the things I remember the most and I'm probably more likely to tell somebody about. Is that is that one of the sort of formulaic aspects of, you know, how you get somebody to pay attention? Yeah, so we, we've actually done a lot of research on the science side of like how the, the human brain works. And it's funny, it's very consistent, you know, not even amongst age groups, but also across regions around the world. And we've identified uh, these emotions that, uh, you know, provoke people to share. And, and, you know, we're, we're human beings, right? We're very emotional creatures. Mm-hmm. And the emotional piece of it is just something that's completely lost in kind of the old school advertising. And it's, it's like, okay, how am I going to connect with something and, and feel something? And then if I feel something, then I'll be part of that conversation and be leaning forward. And, and so there's actually five emotions that we've identified that are all positive emotions that we found are, are the most effective, at least for us, to get people to lean forward and share. And so I can walk you through yeah, those. Do it, do it. The, yeah, so, so the first emotion is, is, is happiness, right? And I think we live in a world right now where everybody would agree that there's a lot of polarization and, mm-hmm. you know, and people are, are split apart and there's a lot of negativity on the internet, or at least it feels that way. And so like giving people a smile during their day, even just a little smile as they're going through social media or going across their phone in a break from a meeting, that is a really, really powerful concept. Um, so the first principle is happiness or joy. Um, the second principle is we call awe. So awe is like uh, a feeling of respect where you just go, oh, wow, you know, that's something I haven't seen before. So it could be something that is, you know, you, you, you literally like – you know, launching a guy from the moon that you haven't seen before, or it could be someone doing an act of like a good Samaritan act that, that just makes you lean forward and go, wow, what a cool thing that they did for somebody completely unexpected. And it kind of warmed my heart. And, and that's what we mean by awe. The third emotion is called curiosity. So this is all about learning things about the world that you didn't, you hadn't seen before, or you didn't know. And there's a lot of kind of educational content that doesn't feel like education where you can provide a lot of value to the audience. Uh, the fourth emotion is empathy. And you know, sympathy is feeling bad for somebody. 
But empathy is actually putting yourself in their shoes and having that shared connection. And that can be really, really powerful. Um, and then the last emotion is surprise. Mm. And it's basically giving something that they didn't expect in a unique way. Um, and, and so those are the five emotions. There's plenty more, John. You know, like anger is a really powerful emotion that probably doesn't fit most brands, well, right? Or, or sadness is a powerful emotion, but it, it shuts you down. You don't, you don't want to share something that's sad, right, because you make your friends sad. So, you know, there are different of emotions, but we find these to be the most positive, proactive emotions when we're creating content. So is there a risk in, in somebody saying, oh, okay, I need to make people smile. So I'll do something that, you know, that stops them, makes them smile. But maybe it doesn't really have anything to do with our brand, <laughs> you know, or our yeah. products. I mean, is there a yeah. risk in that or is it still or is there still value in that because they associate that smile with, hey, look who brought me a smile? So, so we, we work with a, uh, a division of AT&T called Cricket Wireless. Mm. And, and basically the wireless space, everybody hates their wireless provider, right? <laughs> and, and pretty much all of them are pretty much the same, right? So the idea that one, if you're on Verizon or AT&T or T-Mobile or whoever else would be, your provider, you kind of get the same experience for the most part, right? And yeah. most times people have a negative experience. That's what all the research says. Yeah. So you can try to just you know, knock down your price or, or, or project a message. What, what, what Cricket said is like, hey, if we could just make people smile, just take a moment of their day and smile. That that's going to have a big impact on our business, right? So we created this whole campaign that was just called Something to Smile About. And it's literally now, I think, 14 or 15 different video campaigns in where the whole premise, nothing to do with phones, nothing to do with cell plans or promotions. It's all just instances where we're taking real people and we're making them smile through surprise and awe and joy and these emotions, empathy. And it's completely transformed their business. And, and it, it's all because you know, that little thing that seems like it, it shouldn't be a big deal is a massive deal when you compare it to what other brands are doing in that category out in the world, right, where they're trying to sell you. Now, this brand is giving me a smile. Whoa, why are they doing that? Now you're leaning forward. Now you're connecting them with them in a a different way than you otherwise would. Now you're open to hearing more about their products or services. Now you're open to actually being a customer. And it's just, it's all human emotion, but we found it to be very profound. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, it's probably heightened by the fact that they're running counter in a way to how the people perceive the competitors. Right. I mean, there's a little bit of that. Exactly right. There, yeah. it, no, and, and I think that's, I think that's why, you know, I mentioned like that space is, it's really tough, right? Everybody, because if people expect perfection from their cell phone provider, right? And you're never going to be able to achieve that. So there's always going to be some level of, of friction there. And, yes. and then if everybody's going one way right. and you go the other, right? Yeah. Well, Sprint's actually, have you noticed Sprint's actually running ads talking about how bad all the other ads are? Um, <laughs> you know, that everybody's saying they're the best and they're this and yeah, they're that and yeah. that. And so yeah. it's, it's like yeah. they've... What yeah. <laughs> One of the concepts in the book is called flip the script, yeah. which is exactly what you're saying, which is when everybody goes one way, you go the exact opposite. Yeah. So. I'm not sure it's working though, but anyway, um, that's another story. I want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Clavio. Clavio helps you build meaningful customer relationships by listening and understanding cues from your customers. And this allows you to easily turn that information into valuable marketing messages. There's powerful segmentation, email autoresponders that are ready to go, great reporting. You want to learn a, bit, a little bit about the secret to building customer relationships? They've got a really fun series called 
Clavio's Beyond Black Friday. It's a docu-series, a lot of fun, quick lessons. Just head on over to Clavio.com Beyond BF, Beyond Black Friday. So if I came to you and I said, okay, or I'm, you know, I'm, we're sitting around the boardroom trying to say, how do we break through the noise? I mean, is there kind of a process to start analyzing where your opportunities are? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the process starts with what's shareable about me as a person or a brand. Mm-hmm. Where can, where can I provide a unique point of value? Um, and so, you know, I don't know if it's easier to go through a real life example, but um, you know, I think you know what would be an example of a small business that we could we could talk about. Um, oh, you just mean category wise or something? Yeah. yeah. So let's go with a real true small business. Let's talk about a remodeling contractor. Okay, a remodeling contractor, and 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 I don't know that space well, but I assume that most of them on paper look pretty much the same. Yeah, I th- I think people would assume that that you know a lot of times the conversation starts with. Let's have somebody come out and tell us what it would cost, you know, to to do this project or whatever. Um, and you know, some are some are probably more professional than others, but I I think the perception is, hey, they all just drive in nails, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then it becomes that, hey, who's credible enough to, yep, yep. you know, invite in my home? And then what's the price? Exactly. Right. And and then you're gonna, you know, and similar to the wireless space, right? It's going to be about it's going to be heavily price driven. And, and about who is in kind of your network to go uh, execute. So the way we would think about it is, okay, who, who's our audience? Who's going to buy from us in this case? They're probably going to be homeowners, right? Right, homeowners for sure. Uh, probably somebody who's going to stay put in their home. Probably a little, you know, the neighborhood can, you know, take a $50,000 kitchen, that kind of, you know, demographic. That's right. So it's slightly upscale, right. right? And so then think about that audience and say, okay, if I was in their position, what would I want from a home remodeler, right? And and in terms of the content, you know, and I've heard you talk about how you know strategy and content are really intermixed, yep. right? And they're really the same thing. Um, so let's think about what would be a value to that homeowner in the suburbs that's you know above average, uh, you know, from a wealth perspective. Yeah. So okay, what what if we started creating content that was all about um, how to create you know more cost effective. And, and more effective remodels of your kitchen, yeah. right? And we took you through examples, and maybe maybe we created content around you know what goes wrong with home remodelers, or or how home remodelers you know overcharge you, or you know how to think about budgeting for uh, a home remodel. And it was all a lot of like trade secrets or specific content or educational content that would be really valuable to the audience that's never maybe remodeled their kitchen. Um, and a lot of people say, well, why would you give that away for free? You know, why, why, would, you, why would you spend that time and that resource? And I, I think that's where we say the exact opposite. is like, why wouldn't you provide that value to the customer? So now when they're searching online and they're saying, hey, I need to remodel my home. What are my lookouts? What am, what am I trying to accomplish? How do I stay on time and on budget? Now I see your video where you're walking me through with really valuable educational advice and you're, you're satisfying my curiosity emotion. Yeah. Right. And now you're building trust with me and now I'm starting to have a relationship with you. And, and because I've gotten value from you now, I, when I want to go bid out my house, who's going to be my first call? Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the anybody who has remodeled, you know, it's bad. It's not a good experience. I mean, you, you're going to be living out of boxes. You're going to plug your refrigerator in the basement, you know, for a while. I mean, so everybody realizes it's going to be a bad experience. 
um, you know, it's just inherent. So I'm, I'm sure there's an aspect of actually playing up the experience, what they do to make it not such a bad experience would probably be a great part of that as well. A hundred percent. Yeah, no, it feels like a trust category for sure. Like because there's a lack of any category where there's a lack of trust. Yep. I think if you can go the other way and build positive emotions, just like in the wireless space, I think it can be really powerful. So one of the things that I'm sure that you, especially as an agency find is that, you know, once something starts working, it seems like everybody does it. And so yeah. <laughs> are you constantly having to sort of zig and say, hey, this worked this month, but, you know, it's probably, you know, it's probably over now because you see that all the time, you know, on Instagram, on, you know, social networks, even in ads, you know, it feels like it feels like the copycat syndrome is is really is real. Yeah. And then you, then you combine that with the way that the platforms like Facebook and YouTube are evolving and their algorithm changes and it becomes, you know, more favorable for brands in the beginning and then it becomes less favorable as they monetize it more. And so one of the things my partner and I um, said kind of from day one when we started this company is every day is a new day in terms of evolution. Yep. And just like having that, that mindset that no matter what we're doing today, it's going to be uh, different tomorrow. And that you're always going to be learning and, and you're always going to be behind the curve in some regard because it's happening so fast and like the speed of change is just so rapid. And I think it's just a mindset. And I think if you, if you can have a mindset of whatever it is, you know, however deep you're into social media or not or digital and just say, hey, how do I go to school on it? Mm-hmm. How do I learn? How do I do research and just continually, you know, get smarter about what's going on in the space and, and always kind of challenge yourself to say, hey, what we did today is not going to work tomorrow. And, and try to prove that it doesn't work and prove what, you know, what comes next. I think, you know, the, the advantage is always going to go to the nimble and the people that are willing to put in the work and just continue to figure it out. Do you find that there are significant differences in terms of, of not only what they see as valuable or as entertaining, but what they're willing to share between different age groups? For sure. And, and you know, I think with the younger demographic, um, you know, they're, they're just sharing in completely different ways to um you know and and it's it's funny a lot of it's starting to come off platform where mm-hmm. you know with, with with the really young you know kids you know they're, they're sharing via direct messaging right mm-hmm. instead so they'll see something on instagram or they'll see it on facebook or other tiktok but they'll they'll send a group text or, or it'll be you know on on messenger or on snap or but, but but so you never actually see the actual share it doesn't actually register because it's via direct messaging um, and so there's a whole new rhythm that's happening with, you know, people that are under 20 and how they're consuming and sharing content and then much more reliable as you, as you get a little bit older, right? And I think Facebook has kind of become the, the go-to platform for the over 40 set, right? So you see kind of a more traditional, hey, I saw a piece of content, I like it, I comment it, I share it with my friends, you know, and, and in some ways, you know, targeting, you know, say moms, you know, 30 or 40-year-old moms is much more predictable and, and, and scalable and, and easier to kind of crack and to understand how to, how to get in the, inside the mind of a 17-year-old girl in yeah. you know, Chicago. <laughs> so are there some elements that make something more inherently shareable? I mean, are, are there things that, that you kind of check the boxes and say, yeah, we, we need to make sure we have these in there because that, it may not be viral as we talked about, but at least it makes it more shareable. Yeah. So I think the, the, the core elements is like, how do you find the piece of value, which we talked about? Right. How do we combine that with a shareable emotion? 
and really lean into the emotion so that we're, we're getting awe or we're getting happiness or we're getting surprise. And I think one of the pieces, and, and, and you talk about this, but it's just like finding that voice that you have, you know, what is your strategy as a person or as a brand where you can offer unique insight into the world that other people don't? Yeah. Um, I think those are the pieces that are kind of fundamental. And then once you understand what that is, what your value proposition is, then you get in the more tactical side where we always talk about, um, and it's a chapter of the book, it's called Crush the Headline. And, and basically what that means is like if you treat a piece of content, if you're launching a video, then you treat it almost like a, like a newspaper article. And you have to really understand what the headline of your video is. What is the one sentence that will be immediately understood and so people can engage with it and, 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 and be a part of it? Because you know, the, the atmosphere right now is that I always say that people are like rolling through social media right. like a serial dater on, on Tinder, right? They're just swiping and swiping and swiping. It's pretty crazy to watch young people go through social and they'll, they'll swipe by everything and they'll stop for a half second and they'll see if they're interested and then they'll keep moving. So you have to be really clear with the headline of what your video is. And so then the headline needs to connect to the visual that they see, and they need to be able to immediately understand what the value is for them so that they'll check it out. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really important kind of tactical thing is like being super clear with what your value is right away. And then getting into the video, we call the concept giving up the goat. And basically this is the idea that you put the best part of your video in the front of the video because either you're going to grab people's yeah. attention in the first five to seven seconds. Yeah. Or they're going to be gone forever. Yeah, I see. And so, yeah, I, I, I see that on a lot of really good YouTube how-to videos. You know, the first five seconds are going to be, "Here is what you're going to get from this, and how much money it's going to make you." And then they get into <laughs> you know the thing. And I, that's I, right. I, I think you're right. And I mean, and in terms of like the sharing, you know, I know we have a lot of clients that want to share. Here's what we did. Here's our new project. Here's our blog post. And then they share the oh, by the way so-and-so won an award or had a baby or found a, like, you know, a really weird thing, you know, on this project. And that's the stuff that gets shared because it's, it's the personal stuff. It's the culture stuff. Um, and, yes. and so, you know, in terms of shareability, I mean, it, 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 you know, you don't have to look very far to see, you know, what gets the most engagement is kind of more the personal stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. If the company's talking about the company, nobody cares, right? Like the company's talking about, the audience or, the, or the, the company members and sharing the personal stuff, then, then those people are definitely going to care, right? And it's just it's a whole different perspective in terms of how it's received. Yeah, awesome. So, Tim, where can people find out more about your work and about Breakthrough the Noise? Yeah, so, so Breakthrough the Noise you can find on timstaplesbook.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mikadala. And you can check out the company Shareability at www.shareability.com. Awesome. Uh, hopefully we'll run into you soon out there on the road, Tim. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for having me, John. 